Hear now a story about coyote from the wisdom of the native peoples of this land. One day, coyote, who is often the trickster in all these stories, decided that he didn't need any of the other creatures. There he was, sitting pretty all by himself. What did he need anyone else for? He had his songs, his flute and drum, his dancing by the fire. Besides, all the other creatures were strange. Rabbit always running around, moose with those antlers on his face, and all those incessant chirping birds. Ridiculous. Who needs them, thought Coyote. Not me. So he decided to just leave them all behind. He ventured off all alone in search of a place where he could sing his songs, play his flute and drum, and dance by the fire all on his own. As Coyote was leaving, Rabbit happened to see him and tagged along. At first, Rabbit ran ahead with his big legs, and then he ran back, and then ahead, and back, and that, back and forth, back and forth, and Coyote just ignored him, hoping he would go away. Hey, Coyote, Rabbit yelled, where are you going? Coyote ignored him. Rabbit ran on ahead again and came back. Hey, Coyote, there's something over there where you're headed, and I have to tell you about it. Coyote just ignored him. Now, Rabbit's feelings were hurt, and he said some choice words to Coyote, and off he went. That evening, a funny thing happened. Coyote stopped and built his fire and sat down to sing, as he did every night. But as hard as he tried, he couldn't remember any of his songs. And so all he could do was play his flute and drum and dance a little. The next day, Coyote was off again, feeling a little strange, but still determined to be on his own. Before long, he came to a massive marsh before him with mud and weeds, and he wasn't sure how he was going to cross, but he just stepped into it and decided to try. Pretty soon he ran into Moose, standing in the weeds and the mud. Well, hello, Coyote, said Moose. What brings you out here to the marshes? Coyote ignored him and kept looking for a way to cross the mud. Moose swung his great head back and forth, a little miffed that Coyote was ignoring him. Coyote, Moose said, if you're looking for a dry path, I could help you. Coyote looked right at him, ignored him, and kept on going. Coyote finally did find his way across the march, marsh. And that evening, something strange happened again. Again, Coyote built his fire and tried to make his music, but not only had he forgotten his songs, he couldn't remember how to play his flute and drum now. All he could do was dance around the fire. The next day, Coyote was really upset at what was happening to him, but he was still determined to get away from everyone else. This time he came to a little stream that flowed down the mountains, a beautiful little stream with bushes and trees, and he took a nice drink from the stream and started to fall asleep on its banks. Sure enough, just as he was about to fall asleep, the chirping of the birds started. This is exactly what he wanted to get away from, and it made him so angry that the birds wouldn't let him sleep in peace. And so he leaped up and snarled and barked at them and frightened them away. But he succeeded. They flew up and off, chirping to each other about how awful and unhappy Coyote was. Coyote was pleased with himself for getting rid of the birds. And as he built his fire that night, the strangest thing happened. 
Not only could he no longer sing, not only could he not remember how to play his flute and drum, he couldn't even remember how to dance. All he could do was stare into the fire and think about how alone he was. Finally, he fell asleep and had a vision in his dream. A vision of a buffalo appeared to him and asked him why he was out there all alone. Coyote explained, I'm tired of the moose and the rabbit and the birds and everything else. Those silly creatures who look and act strange and live such ridiculous lives. Coyote, said the buffalo, don't you understand that your music and your dance and even your fire are nothing without the creatures who are different from you? If you want your music and dance back, you must go back to your friends and accept them into your heart. Only then will you be able to go on. The next morning, Coyote awoke and couldn't remember his dream. But when the birds began to sing, as they always do in the morning, he sat still and listened. And he continued his journey, and that evening, he suddenly could sing once more. And that night, when he built a fire, he started to remember how to play his flute, because he ran into rabbit the day before, and they ran and played and went back and forth and had a wonderful time. And on the third day of his journey back, he ran into moose again. And he rode on Moose's back across the great marsh, and they talked and had fun. And that evening, Coyote could sing, and he could dance, and he could play his flute and drum again. This is one of those classic Native American wisdom tales, where once you look closely, the meaning is right on the nose. Here we find Coyote forsaking his companions for the journey and losing everything. What Coyote thought was a way to escape and be all by himself with the end goal of being away from everything, what he found instead is that it led not just to solitude, but loneliness and discontent. His friend Rabbit even warns him of this. Coyote, I see something down the road that you need to know about. But Coyote ignored him. I appreciate wisdom tales like this that are forthright in their meaning. Life is complicated enough without needing to decipher secret messages in the tales that try to teach us something. But I think about this story often and about all such stories that speak to how the journey into the world is not always what we expect and how sometimes we think we can go, we realize we think we can go it alone only to realize it is not so. However, with this story about Coyote, I have to take a second look. There's a meaning here that isn't typically what we assume. I have to wonder, why did Coyote get to a point where he wanted nothing more than to distance himself from everyone else? What could it be? For me, the answer rests perhaps in trust, and we see it in the story. Coyote didn't trust the rabbit to have reliable information about what was in further down the road. He didn't trust the moose to set him on the right path through the marches. He didn't trust the birds to have a song that was just as meaningful as his own. It was in not trusting his fellow animals that he began to forget the power of his own gifts. We then see it was in his discovery of trust, trust in friends and community, that his gifts regained their power. It is hard to trust community. And it can be even hard to trust a community such as ours, a church, 
Whether we grew up in a church or have never been in one until this one, many of us likely carry our own feelings and experiences of distrust in places such as these. And if we don't have our own experiences, we certainly read and hear about them in the news. It's not just the Roman Catholics, but every religious institution has been impacted by stories of abuse of power and the fostering of distrust. For those of us that have known and felt such distrust, or even the uncertainty that comes with being a part of any community, it is a brave endeavor in 2019 when upon first glance, it looks as if the world is better traversed alone. But here we are, all of us on Sunday morning. Some of us still like to tend campfires and sing our own songs in the distance. But in the very least, this space has called to us. And as a church, we are tasked with a monumental endeavor. We come together every week, sometimes more than once a week, and we do so with great trust that this experiment called church will allow us to find community, to enter into community, to create community, and to be community. That is a lot to ask of any institution especially one such as ours. And say what you will about stories of the divine, reason, science, our ethical principles, whatever it is that calls us into our religious lives, churches are first and foremost very human. We embark upon those ways of engaging community imperfectly and with uncertainty. When we find and enter into community, there is a good amount of doubt. We ask ourselves, will this be right for me? Is this the right place? Can I see myself here? Will I be treated kindly and with dignity? Will people remember me? But with those questions also come the memories of when community has gone wrong or toxic personalities distorted distorted the experience and the disappointment and hurt that comes with any up-close examination of the imperfections of community. But so too, upon entering into a community, there is a big unanswered question. Do we really need it? Can this place meet our expectations? Do the people here care about the place and each other? And is it obvious that they do? Does it make me want to care as well? We could dwell on the questions we all had when we first came to this place. And for some of you, that's today. But underneath the search and the questions is the realization that we do need one another. And that is a vulnerable admission for anyone to make. Our search for community is ultimately then about taking risks. It's about letting down our guard, setting aside impossible expectations, and using our gifts and the gifts of those around us to both create and be community. Now, if only the utterance of that sentence was enough. Let's just be vulnerable and create community. Done. We're done. We can go home. (laughs) As with anything human, there's nothing simple about it. Community doesn't happen overnight. Neither does the building of trust to deepen and grow it. And furthermore, to not just create community, but rest and thrive within it. That's another tall order altogether. Being community is all well and good. We can gather week after week, and that is a wonderful thing. 
Yet if you've been to church these past two Sundays, there's been several reminders of how trust and possibility call us to more than being observers or casual partakers of community. The first reminder was a question. Do we have skin in the game? It's often said in justice work that if you don't have a role, you're not a part of the movement. I happen to think that saying applies to church communities as well. We sign books to signify our membership. We check off boxes. But at the end of the day, if there's no skin in the game, no label, member, minister, friend, has any meaning if we don't have a role, however small that might be. Now, for many of you, that reminder is preaching to the choir, well, the bigger choir today. (laughs) And for others still, you're thinking, Brian, how dare you tell me that? Because I don't know where to look to begin. The good news is that the ministry of dishwashing is desperately understaffed every week. (laughs) And I am being serious about that. But beyond that specific thing, part of trust is realizing that I am here. Your music director is here. The director of religious exploration is here. Your staff is here. And specifically for me, your minister's job is in part to guide you to having a role so you are part of the movement or to empower you to create something new or to discern when it's time to let go and try something different. The second reminder from these past two Sundays was that our gifts shine ever more brightly together than on our own. Community can be disappointing. It can break our hearts. It might seem like it's full of, possi- a po- full of a possibility that is just out of reach. But if, we heard, but if it's like what we heard in our story, like Coyote, if we privilege our personal piety and our gifts over the hard work of creating something new and something different, something that is a glimpse of what we hope for, if we privilege those things, we have lost our power. Our campfires burn out. Our songs ring hollow. We forget how to dance. If you don't have a role, you're not a part of the movement. This congregation has been digging out its archives this church year in celebration of the 60th anniversary of being on this property. And some of the findings are very astonishing. Some of them I don't even think I want to share from this pulpit ever. They're not pulpit appropriate. This was a congregation that had an interesting history in the 60s and 70s. But one thing was clear. This congregation has always been in need of volunteers. It has always put the call out asking why things aren't getting done. In many ways, it's always been saying what Bruce Springsteen says at the beginning of all his concerts, is anybody alive out there? As a congregation, just as any community... We must wrestle with what we are going to do about that if we don't like it. It goes back to those three earlier points. Do we have skin in the game? Are we sharing our gifts? And do we have a role? And if the answer is no to any of those, what will it take to change that? Our world, our nation, our commonwealth, our city, and our church, they are all headed in a direction whose destination we cannot possibly know. And I would contend, ultimately, it's not about the destination. It is all about the direction and the journey. 
a direction that pulls us along as frightful as it might be at times, but pulls us to something astonishing and powerful. Will we try to go it alone? Or will we do the good work of creating community and put in our own blood, our sweat, and our tears into the vision of the world we aspire to with our principles? What I've realized and truly believe here now in my fourth year as your minister is that I feel that we are all entering into a moment where this congregation has important choices ahead of it. And there's a lot to say about this. This sermon was originally 40 minutes long, people. (laughs) There is a lot to say about this. I edit it, don't worry. (laughs) We could easily be here for another couple of hours talking about this, engaging this. But what I know for certain is that we're is that if we're waiting for any community to arrive at a destination that meets our standards, we will be disappointed. Our call is to find our role for the journey ahead, to claim it, to let go of the endless discussions of committees and the wringing of hands and go and do something together instead of waiting for it to happen on its own. As we heard in our reading from Joy Harjo, The world will not change because we were passive about it, nor will it change if we go it alone. The same is true with our chosen communities. And so for the questions of discerning what our role is or could be here in this good church, blessed be. Amen.